Hello and welcome to Food Ops, the show for the restaurant operator and food business entrepreneur. We're here to help you serve up success and achieve your goals. I'm Rebecca and I'm here with Derek. Derek happens to be a health inspector and I thought it'd be interesting to uh, make his knowledge available to the world through a podcast. So here we are. How are you doing, Derek? Doing good. Ready to share my knowledge with the world. I've seen a lot of things. So let's say that I want to start an in-home bakery. I want to sell cookies. People have told me that I make amazing cake pops. Can I do that? And how can I get started? Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's a there's a permit that actually allows you to work out of your home, and especially for baked good items, it's a it's a good permit to to use, and it's called the Cottage Food Operation Permit. And so in order to go about that, there's just a couple of things you need to ask yourself, which kind of depends on how you want to sell it to the public. And then you can get permitted in a couple of different ways. There's two types of permits? A class A and a class B. Okay. So what are the differences? So a class A permit allows you to directly sell it to customers which means that the customers can come to your door and pick up the food or you can deliver it personally to your customers. Okay. So now how much of a storefront can I have out of my home? You said that they can come to me. Can I post signs? Is that what you're saying? You can advertise online in any way that you want. Now, if you post signs outside of your home, there's going to be certain zoning regulations. The city's probably not going to like that. Right. So. So they can pick up. If I've advertised elsewhere, kind of a thing. Yes, yes. But I can't make like a storefront out of my house. Right, yeah. Okay. Sometimes I do see people doing that. Is that, is that regional? Um, it could be regional. Uh-huh. Um, it's pretty much kind of up to the city whether or not they allow that to happen or not. Gotcha. And then And then the county has some, some say as well. So just check my county regulations? Yes, check your local government regulations. Class A, then consumers can come to me. I can advertise on social media. I can sell from my door. I can deliver. And that's the extent of class A, right? Yeah, more or less. Okay. And so then class B would involve what? So a class B can do everything that we've already discussed with the class A. Plus, they can sell their products to a third party, a store, and they can put it on their shelves, and then they can sell that product. So we call that indirect sales. Okay. So I could take my cookies and my cake pops, and I could put it on the shelves of a local grocery store, a local bakery, Any coffee of those. shop. Yes, yes. Any of those retail facilities. Class B pretty much makes you a wholesaler and allows you to wholesale it to retail outlets, and then they sell it. And I can just make my cookies inside my home and all of that is made in your in your home Hmm. okay what are the differences in becoming um class a certified and class b so there's there's going to be a registration process for both of them that is similar and an application process that is similar so the differences are for class b there's going to be a home inspection so the inspector is going to come out to your home do a simple inspection. There's 
there's really not much to it. In fact, you'll actually have the self-certification checklist of everything that the inspector is going to look at beforehand. So you can go down that list to, to see what the inspector is going to look at. Do they go throughout my whole house? No, no. They just look at the kitchen and then any possible storage areas that you're going to have for the food. They're going to check the water temperature, make sure you have hot water for hand washing. They're going to look at the sink that you're going to wash your hands at, which can be the same kitchen sink that you use for food prep. And they're going to check the temperature of the refrigerator, make sure it can hold temperature properly, and look at any storage areas. Make sure everything's clean and there's no pests running around hmm. to contaminate the food. What's the temperature of the water and the fridge? So the minimum temperature for hand washing out of the home is 100 degrees. Mm -hmm. And then for refrigerators, 41 degrees or lower. Okay. So if I just check those ahead of time, I'll be good to go. Yes, that's correct. Um, and then food storage, I can just store my goods where my family stores their, their breakfast cereals and things, or do I have to have a separate storage space? Well, we want some designation of a separate storage area, um, and it can just be as simple as a shelf or a container mm -hmm. that you put the food items in that's specifically for the business. We want to see some separation, but the equipment, the utensils, it can all be mixed in as long as that drawer that's containing both items mm -hmm. is clean and, and free of pests and debris. Okay. What if my, uh, my, my cat's on the counter? Is that, is that going to be a problem? <laughs> well, yeah, it might be a little bit of a problem. Uh, so you can, of course, have pets in your home. And then on the self-certification checklist, the registration process, you are just signing, attesting to the fact that when you prepare food out of the kitchen, you just eliminate the pets from the kitchen. But they can be in the house still? They can be in the house still. Huh, okay. Just not in the food prep area. Okay. All right. Yeah. What are some of the um, biggest no-nos that you've seen in the cottage food industry? People just don't know. Well, so... That they shouldn't do this or that. Yeah, so I think it comes down to the foods that they want to make and they haven't checked the approved food list. So working in the state of California, California makes an approved food list that you can make under a cottage food operation. And so people just haven't checked that list. They come up with this, this great idea of a food and they, they get all gung-ho gung -ho about it, but it's not on the approved food list. So they either have to make certain changes or decide to do another type of food. Okay. So that's probably the biggest one. Um, just off the cuff, putting you on the spot here, what would be the top two or three um, great ideas that you've seen work really well or that people just really take to or that are just really easy to do out of your home? Yeah, um, a lot of baked goods. A lot of baked goods. Cookies, cake pops, um, even breads. Anything that can bake and go into the oven uh, that's, that's really popular. Okay. Yeah. And then, so on the same note, again, just put, putting you on the spot, top two or three, um, items that are a no go, but people think that they would be approved, but they're not. So variations on baked goods where they might have some sort of a cream cheese topping or a filling of some sort that would not be approved. So when 
when people start adding things to a baked goods, like after the process of baking it, cream cheese frosting wouldn't be allowed. Um, some other types of fillings wouldn't be allowed. Meat fillings definitely would not be allowed. Meat fillings? Yes. So like empanadas? Empanadas with meat or meat pies. Those are not allowed. Those are not allowed. Those are potentially hazardous foods and not on the approved food list. Huh. Now, fruit empanadas are. Okay. So so it's it's really specific. The, the approved food list is, is really specific. You can go on there. You can look. And then even so, even if your food might be on there, like because baked goods is on there, but baked goods is such a broad category, mm-hmm. uh, that's why it's important to develop the label for the food and have all the ingredients that you're going to use in the food listed out and then the process that you're going to use to make it and then you're going to submit all that to the inspector they review it all and they give the final approval for every item being created yes in that kitchen yes for every item that you create under your cottage food operation okay both class a and class b yeah both class a and class b Okay. So there's a label review process for that, and it's that during that label review process that the inspector looks at those ingredients and processes. Okay. All right. Um, so then tamales too, huh? Cheese, yes. Meat, no? Uh, well, no, no cheese. No cheese either. No cheese? Yeah, no cheese. Uh, cheese isn't on the list. Uh. Yeah. No cheese tamales. Dang. Under the cottage food operation. Okay. Remember, that's what we're talking about. So that's cottage food operations. You guys call it CFO? Yeah, we call it we call it CFO for short. So if I'm applying, I say where can I get a CFO application or yeah. permit request? Yeah, you're gonna go to your local health department, local environmental health department. Uh, usually their website has all the information on there. And statewide there's two classes, class A and class B. So once you figure out what class you are, go to their website, contact them. And then they'll get you the appropriate application mm-hmm. and permitting forms. And would you guess if I'm out of state that it would be similar? A class A, class B kind of a requirement there? It's, it's hard to determine because it's really up to each individual state. Some states don't even have a cottage food operation equivalent like California does. Are you um, saying like they allow it or they're they're more loose on what they allow or they lump it in with class B? Well, they well. What I'm saying is, they might not even have any sort of a home operation permitted at per, all. Permitted at all. Mm-hmm. Some may be more loose as far as the restrictions, and they may have their own permitting process. So it kind of just really depends on the state. So you just have to go to your local environmental health agency, okay, for that information. Anything else to know about CFOs? Cottage food? Yeah, there's there's one thing that, that came to my mind with the Class A and the Class B, and then I forgot it. <laughs> <laughs> so if it comes to me, I'll, I'll, I'll throw it in there. Okay. We'll stay ready. Yeah. All right, so we've talked about the two types of permits, Class A and Class B. Class A essentially is the customer comes up to the door, picks up goods. I can make and sell goods out of my home. I can advertise on social media. Uh, advertising outside my home with flags and things is not typically recommended depending on regional regulations and guidelines. Right, local zoning regulations. Mm -hmm. And then Class B, I can also 
serve food out of my home, sell on social media. And in addition to that, I can um, sell your food out of a third party or, or a storefront of some sort. Right. Okay. Um, so within that, can I ship? No. Yeah, there's no shipping through the mail allowed through either Class A or Class B. Um, if you if you wanted to, there's there's avenues that you can go down. You would just need to contact the state California Department of Public Health to get approval for that. Okay. All right. So uh, in applying for my Class A or Class B, I completed my permit. I'm going to complete an inspection checklist. Yes, there is a self-inspection checklist for the Class A and the Class B. And it's the same items that the inspector looks for when they come to do the home inspection for a Class B only. Okay. I'm going to have labels ready for my items, what type of ingredients are in it, how I prepare it. Yes. The label requirements are also going to be provided through the local health department. Usually their website, it'll have the specific requirements. There's several. There's probably like 15 requirements for the labels but all that information can be found out through your local health department. Okay. Uh, I'm also going to have my food handler's card. Now I got mine back in high school. Is it still going to be valid? Well, Just like a one-time? Nope. They're good for about two years. Well, for two years. Okay. Yeah. They're good for two years. So okay. You got to renew that <laughs> every every other year. And anybody working for me in my kitchen at my house has to have that? Any employees that you have, family members that you have working for you, with you, they need it as well. Okay. Um, business license, home inspection, and pay my fees. Right. So as far as the business license goes, you'll just contact your local city jurisdiction, your local government, and get the business license from them. Okay. Um, is there anything else that I should know as a new cake pop seller? <laughs> well, uh, there's, there's a lot to know, but um, nothing that, that can't really be uh, insurmountable. I would just recommend contacting your local health department and speaking with an inspector and, and they can, they can definitely help you out, especially if you have an idea that you're tossing around, they can, uh, they can help you kind of direct, uh, that idea towards a specific product that is definitely going to be on the approved food list. Okay. Um, before we, uh, depart from this topic, um, just to put you on the spot, what are the top two or three items that are really popular and do really well? And then what are the top two or three items that you've seen people try or want to provide and it's just a no-go? Yeah, so probably the, the most popular items on, uh, on the cottage food operation is going to be baked goods, cookies, breads, different varieties of breads, uh, cake pops, certainly. Are, are a fan favorite. Um, there's also cakes, regular cakes, certain types of pies you can do, but but again, it they have to be, they're very specific of, of what type of pies are allowed, so you just have to speak with your local inspector. So I would say those are the most popular. Mm -hmm. And then the ones that you wouldn't recommend that people want to try? Well, yeah, so it... it Anytime you start to add filling to your your baked goods, 
Um, people won't like to add a meat filling or a cream cheese filling. Custards, custards are not allowed. So those require refrigeration. So anything that requires refrigeration right off the bat is not going to be on the approved food list. So you can kind of think to yourself, oh, is this final product going to need require going to require refrigeration or in your opinion, should it, then it's most likely not going to be on the approved food list. So I'm hearing you say my next empanada idea is probably a no-go. Well, fruit empanadas are on the approved food list. Uh, however, meat empanadas are not. So it kind of, again, just depends on what the ingredients are, what the final product is going to be, uh, determines whether or not it's going to be allowed. Cotton candy's on the list. You could have a cotton candy uh, business. There you go. <laughs> Hey, Derek. Yes. So I bet you get asked a lot, what are some of the craziest things that you've seen? True? Yes. I want to know, what are the top five ways that you can spot a new restaurant owner? What are signs of a newbie? Ah, five signs of a newbie. Well, I would say the first sign of a newbie is the failure for an operator to research the space that they are taking over. So someone who wants to start a restaurant, they see a great deal on a lease, they sign the lease, and then they go to the health department to find out about the facility or say, hey, I got this great lease, I'm gonna start a restaurant, can I get my permit? What's the problem? Well, there's usually a lot of things that that space needs to repair, uh, brought up to code, maybe it doesn't even have the right sinks in it. So I would say that that's a big, big newbie problem. Okay. Second? Uh, second way I can spot a newbie is an operator using household equipment when they should be using commercial equipment. Like my cookie sheet? <laughs> well, specifically appliances, like a household microwave or a household blender or even a household oven. I can't use my KitchenAid? Can't use your household KitchenAid. They do make a commercial KitchenAid but not a household kitchen aid. Okay. Yeah. Uh, third? Third way is I go into a restaurant and there's food sitting all out on the counter, not being prepped. You might only have one or two employees and it's all out of temperature. So an operator doesn't know or might not know that you have a certain limited time that you can work on food and it has to be kept in temperature. Okay. So just... The food's out there. Yep. Just food is just randomly sitting out on the counter, not being worked on, not being cooked. Get it back in the fridge. Got it. Number four. Number four. I go into a restaurant, shake hands with the operator, and then shake hands with the operator, and then they start preparing the food without washing their hands. What's the problem? Yeah, exactly. Number five. Kind of kind of flows from number four, but uh, the inspector goes over to the hand sink. I wash my hands. It's out of soap. It's out of paper towels. That the means they use it. <laughs> well, the basin's dry, too. Uh, so there's no, there hasn't been any water in that sink in quite some time. Another yeah. telltale sign of an amateur operator. It's 
It's time for Now Trending. Derek, in our final segment, I want to know what's going on in your industry that is hot. What are people talking about? What's trending? Well, what I've seen a lot of recently is this chamoy rim dip. And it's a it's a dip that goes on the, the rim of a glass or a can. And you get the flavor of that dip as you drink the beverage. You might see it typically like with an alcoholic drink? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, most typically, yes. Uh-huh. So you see it served in bars or where do you typically run into it? Yeah, so bars, restaurants can make it. It's commercially available on, on shelves. But recently, a lot of cottage food operators are wanting to prepare this. What's the controversy? Well, it's not on the approved food list. Mm. So if it's not on the list... Not approved. It, it's not approved. Now, there are, there are some ways that you can, or an operator can can do a workaround to make it. Because uh, the, the, the state doesn't recognize a dip or a sauce as, the, as a product. And so if we can... For cottage food industry, cottage food, for cottage food operators okay. only. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so if we can, if they can classify it as a candy and alter the process, alter the ingredients, then we can make it happen. So but I can put a chamoy candy rim dip-like dip on my A like glass. dip, yes, a like dip. Okay. Again, the inspector looks at all the ingredients, look at the process, and t- determines if it's something that is approvable. We've covered a lot of ground today. We know now a little bit more about cottage food operations and the two uh, types of permits that are available to us through our local health department here. And again, as always, check your own health department and what their regulations are because each region is a little bit different and unique to the area. Uh, we know five ways that health inspectors can spot a newbie to the business. So let's avoid that and just look like we've been doing it all along and um, wash those hands, right? And then finally, if you're wanting to serve chamoy dip, maybe find um, a different route to go when when trying to offer that to the public. Right. Yep. Definitely. All right, Derek. That's going to do it for us today. Thanks for joining me and you, Derek, and you, the listener. And we wish you well. Thank See you, you next time. Bye.